simple people most of the time. We kind of uh, love listening to people ministering God's word. And uh, we sometimes don't fully understand a lot of truth that is fundamental to our faith. And it is easy for us to begin to believe things that Jesus never said. It is easy for us to believe things about God that he never ever meant for us to believe in or understand. It is easy for us to begin to believe and have a set of beliefs that sometimes are so contrary to the gospel, you would almost need to rewrite the Bible entirely to fit what you believe. And it's the subtle nuances, it's the subtle things that happen in life that slowly cause us to drift away from the core truth of who Jesus is, what it means to follow him, and what it means to understand his word in the context of life today. And so through this series, over this next month, we're going to unpack five truths that are misrepresented by each one of us. Because we hear different people speaking and we kind of assume that to be the truth. We assume that to be what God is saying because we haven't really taken it upon ourselves to understand and study God's word in context. I remember a famous joke of things out of context was when somebody said, are you aware that the believers in the Acts of the Apostle in Acts chapter 2 had a car? Yeah, they had a car. They were all in one accord. You might laugh at that, and it is funny. Or like David loved bikes, triumph bikes, because he rode. It is easy for us to take something from written text, scripture, or what somebody has said, not understanding what surrounds that statement and truth, and begin to promote it as a truth that we all begin to consume because none of us have bothered to go back and check. And sadly, that is the state of the church, which is why Jesus was so keen that we had a love for God's word, which is why when Jesus spoke, he always spoke, it is written. His life was lived in context to the truth, even though he himself was the truth. He taught in context, not to cultural context, not to traditional context. He taught in context to who God was, who he was, and who God wanted us to know him to be. Which is why people hated him. Which is why he rubbed up so many people the wrong way because they had created a truth that was contrary to God's word because that truth was traditionally acceptable. That truth, quote-unquote, was, was uh, situationally acceptable. That truth was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, religiously or 
from what they wanted people to believe that that circumstantial truth became real and people began to believe it which is why Jesus spoke of the Pharisees as whitewashed tombs they spoke of a certain truth and they lived a completely different life the truth that they promoted was not the life that they lived and so their lives were out of context with the truth and so how do we in our lives make sure that we are living our lives as simply as we can and uncomplicated as we can but still understanding the fundamentals and the truth of God's word in context to what God said and there are so many things that are taught out of context by very many prominent leaders and just because I'm popular doesn't make me right just because somebody is popular it doesn't mean to say what they are saying is right the Bible puts it upon ourselves to know Jesus for ourselves to know God for ourselves to know God's Word for ourselves and the Bible puts a great responsibility upon the fivefold ministry the pastors prophets teachers evangelists and uh, prophets to prepare God's people for service to bring them to a place of maturity so our relationship is never one where you are dependent on me for your spirituality you can never be dependent on a leader for your personal growth you are responsible to take responsibility for your own life but we as guides as uh, as mentors as people with the responsibility of the fivefold ministry have the responsibility to nurture to encourage to show to to expose to reveal and out of your relationship with God you must grow for yourself amen and I want us at life to be those kind of followers of Jesus wherever we are in our walk with God inquire I love Sai the questions she asked me sometimes I doubt my own understanding of the Bible because her mind thinks differently and it's beautiful because she asks things that draw you into God's word and think yeah never thought of that let me get back to you Sai let me get back to you because we don't all know everything and it's a constant journey of learning and growing the need for us as followers of Christ to make Christ follow us is rampant why because we want him to fit into our culture we want him to fit into our traditions we want him to fit into our needs and greeds and so whatever he has written and taught and said we begin to apply it in our lives from our need and our context and our cultural and traditional expressions and that is where we begin to look at God's Word and begin to view it and practice it from the lens of humanity instead of the lens of eternity and when we view God's Word from the lens of humanity 
we begin to compromise because humanity in itself is broken, is sinful, is not pure, is not true, is not right. But Jesus is. And when we view God's word through the lens of eternity, through the lens that Jesus wants us to view them, he has given us his Holy Spirit that can reveal and help us to understand God's word when we work out of relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the truth of the Father becomes real to you and me. Nothing is more soul-destroying than to watch the Church of Christ annihilate the truth of God's Word because simple truth is made complicated and taken out of context. Context is the key to good biblical interpretation and understanding. It's helpful for us to think of the Bible as a series of letters that were written over numerous years. And some of the things that the Bible addresses are fundamental truths that are non-negotiable. But there are a lot of things the Bible addresses which are in context to what was happening at that time. And let me just throw one out. Women should remain silent in church. Do you think a God who created Adam and Eve in his likeness would then silence a woman in his organization, the church? There are churches around the world that promote this, teach it, and it's their statutes that women cannot be in leadership, women cannot speak, they have to be seen and not Now, what was the context of what Paul said? Read Naomi's very first Bible plan, and it will help you understand the context of what Paul was saying. So unless we understand those truths in keeping with the truth of God's Word, we create chaos and we complicate simple truth. So what does it mean for us in today's terms? How can we move beyond the tradition of society, the culture that we live in? How can we live beyond the geographical uh, environment that we live in? God's word becomes real in any situation. Why? Because it is a living word. It becomes alive in every situation. It is eternal. In other words, there is no beginning or end. It, it understands eternity. And when God gave us His Word, He understood that traditions would change. He understood that culture would change. He understood that we would have iPads and... I don't know what's going to follow an iPad and a phone, but... We're going to have those things. And so where God's word was written on tablets and, you know, tied up onto the foreheads of people because they needed to remember it. That was not what he was really saying. What he was saying is, hey, remember, keep it foremost in your memory. Today, God's word is available to us in every form possible. I guess the next avatar will be... Uh, God's Word just appearing. 
Not on a screen, but right in the middle. What's it called? Hologram. <gasps> We're not too far from that. So I want us to deal with one of these truths that are so misunderstood. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. And your joy will be complete. In Matthew chapter 7, he said, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be opened. Wonderful scripture. And if we look at that, it almost seems like Jesus is giving us an open invitation to walk up to him and say, Jesus, I want this. And voila, Jesus presents you with what you want. It's almost an ATM uh, belief system that we have. We put the right code in and we expect something out. Is this a blanket promise? Is this a blanket instruction without any conditions? Is Jesus some cosmic genie that we can call upon and he works to our agenda? Jesus, I need to lose weight right now. Woo! Ian Slim fits into a waist 32 pair of trousers. I've tried that. Believe me, it doesn't work. Jesus, I need to have five cars, five homes and... Well, to date, I've never seen it work. So what is that Jesus wanting us to have? What if you were to ask for five homes because you wanted five homes? Jason and Kieran, you're just getting married. Wouldn't be nice to start not with one home, but five homes. Wouldn't be nice. The other four pay off your business and help you to, I mean, Jesus, just bless me. I've been so faithful, Jesus. I'm asking you. The Bible says, ask and you will receive and your joy will be made whole. Hallelujah. Come on, people. Let's ask the Lord God forever we want. Best believe and he will provide. Is that the truth of what Jesus was teaching us? If we assume that asking you will receive means ask for anything you want and I'll give it to you, then we have turned the Lord into a cosmic genie who serves you on every whim. This is the problem when we take God's word out of context and do not place it in the balance of the context of what a truth was being taught. So what was Jesus addressing when he said, ask and you will receive, knock and the door will be opened. What was he addressing? What was the context? The context was prayer. It was in the context of prayer that Jesus was teaching us to ask God, to be persistent in our prayer with God, to push through in prayer with God. But you see, all of that asking and knocking is not just a doing that you do, but it comes out of a relationship that you have with God the Father, that when you ask Him, it is His good pleasure to give you what is good for you. Now, one of the things we need to understand what is good for you is not always what is good for me. Our Father knows us well. He knows exactly what we need. 
And the ask in this context represents your wants, your burdens that you take to God and refer yourselves to Him for support and supply according to His promises. So your asking is not a case of, hey, waiter, bring me some water. But your asking is out of a relationship of intimacy where you say to God, God, I love you. God, I want to live with you. I want to walk with you. And therefore, I rely on you. I am going to take all my support from you. And because you are the source of all my needs, because you are the resource of all my needs, I will ask you. Have you ever asked somebody a favor? Have you ever asked somebody a favor? Now, if you were to look at Sagar, you know he handles a camera. So you wouldn't ask Sagar to come over and cook for you. Right? But you say, hey, Sagar, would you mind doing me a favor? Can you take a nice picture of me? Why would you ask someone like Sagar to take a picture of you? Because you know he has the capacity to take a good picture and deliver something of worth. So in the same way in our relationship with Jesus, he, we must know Him to supply all of our needs. We must know Him as somebody that is resourceful in every way. And so when we ask, we ask with that confidence, knowing that He is well able to give everything that I need when I need it according to His will and His purpose. Amen. God is not a rub-me-up genie. Come on, God, it's got to work. What can I ask God for today? Which is why so many people fall away from following Jesus. Because when they feel like God is not responding to their requests, they feel like God is not hearing them. That is not the case. God gives you what you need. But He also encourages us to Ask for it. Amen. As a traveler asks the way, to pray is to inquire of God. God, help me to understand who you are. Reveal more of yourself to me. That's what he said. Ask of me and I will give you. What's he going to give us? Not just material things, but give us more of an understanding of Him. Give us more of a revelation of who God is. Ask and God will show Himself to you. The number of stories for a number of years in London we worked with um, and we still do as a church, not we, but the church does ministering to people in the Arab world. And the number of times Arabs who had no revelation of God's Word or an understanding of Scripture but simply wanted to know who the true God was would cry out and say, reveal yourself. And Christ would reveal himself back without anybody exposing them to what we are exposed to in our country and in our world. But Christ would reveal himself personally to them because he knew they were asking to know who he is. Could it be that you and I don't know Jesus like we do because we don't ask him like we should. Lord, thank you for saving me. That's the starting point. But I want to know you more. 
I want to know you in greater measure. I want to have a greater understanding of who you are. Reveal yourself to me. And when you ask with that desperation, do you know what? God responds. He will. Because more than meeting your physical, personal needs, He wants you to know Him. And so when you ask of Him, and when you knock on the door in prayer and say, Jesus, I want to see you more clearly. I want to understand your word more. God is there. Seek as of thing of value that we have lost or as a somebody that has lost priceless thick things. I hate losing things. And nowadays we lose adapters, we lose chargers, we lose phones, we lose SIM cards and this card. and that. I mean, just there's so many things to lose right nowadays and they're so tiny and small. And, you know, I can't sleep. If I'm, I'm looking for something, I need to find it. Ask my family. I'm horrible. Well, I'm quite sweet, I think, but they consider me... Because I go crazy until I find it. Not literally, but, you know, cray-cray. You've got to find it. I've got to find it. I've got to find it. Where is it? Turn the house upside down. And then when I have found it, ah, the peace that overcomes me, the joy, I found that silly little SIM card. That I didn't need right now. But because I lost it, I needed to find it. That's the desperation that we need to have. That fire to discover, to knock and to seek the things of God. Amen. Because when we do, that is what Jesus said. Ask of me and I will give you. Knock. Seek and you will find. Amen. I love what Jesus goes on to say in verse 11 of that same context. He says, Jesus goes on to say that God will not fail to give his children good things. What are they? good things. So this is one condition or instruction to the promise of ask and receive. What we ask for must be good in God's estimation. Not in my estimation. I remember just in the month of July we finished service here. Month of June. And we went home Sunday afternoon and uh, we were to renew our lease on our property that we were living in. And we'd been through almost six months of personal uh, challenges and just very difficult times. And we just sort of come through it like the curtain had closed on it all. And I thought, God, oh, the house is looking good. The kids are looking good. The wife's looking good. I'm looking good. Oh, we've come through this. Thank you, Lord. And immediately a thought came. I remember I was in my bedroom uh, taking off my socks and uh, the Lord said, Oh, the landlord's going to come knock on the door and ask for the keys back. I think, now what, you want to take my home from me? And within 15 minutes, the phone rang. It was the landlord. And I remember when I heard those words in my brain, I was angry. Because God, you know, you, you know what we went through. You know. 
And you know, we're just happy right now. We're a sweet spot. Don't mess with my sweet spot. It's my gulab jamun spot. Don't mess with it. It's nice and sweet and juicy. Just leave it. And 15 minutes later, he was up at our door saying, guys, and we have a wonderful relationship with him. So we need to sell the flat. And so we need you to move. And don't be in a hurry to move. But if you can move by July, that would be great. I was like, oh man. The thought of moving is the one thing I didn't want done. And we searched and we looked in the current building that we were living in and every door was shut, every opportunity, every silly broker that we had to deal with was just, you know, just, just being silly. And it was just dead end after dead end and the July was looming. And we're sitting in Bangalore on God's work, you know, negotiating for Guruji, meeting with people and our final home that we thought could be ours, we lost to somebody else. And we were heartbroken because God, we're serving God. We're doing all this for you. And I mean, just take care of home. I mean, all I'm asking for is about 900 square feet. That's all. Not a lot. And Naomi read this passage of scripture opposite a coffee shop we were sitting in. See, God can speak to you even in a coffee shop. And on this wall was written the passage of scripture from Psalms that God will take you to a... What does it say? Help me. Yes. I called out to you in my distress. I called out to you in my distress and, and set me in an open, spacious. Get the scripture right? And he set me in a spacious place. Right. I cried out to you in my distress and he set me in a spacious place. In the midst of not having any place at all. Long story short. By the grace of God, the home that we're living in now is three times the size of the home we were in. Do you understand the Father's good pleasure? By God's estimate, not mine. My estimate, my negotiation with God was keep what I have. Don't mess with it. But God was sitting back and saying, if you only trust me, if you're willing to let go of this and keep asking of me, I will give you something better. We didn't seek after a bigger space. We didn't want a bigger space. But God gave it. You with me? So when we ask, when we seek, when we desire, it is of God's estimation. And let me tell you, According to God's estimation, all our expectations are pretty bad. <laughs> of who you're going to marry, what kind of children you're going to have, what kind of a home, whose whatever job, whatever, just look at life from God's estimation. And according to His good will and purpose, He will give to you. That same passage, verse 10 says, if a father can give to a son who asks for bread. He won't give him stone. He will give him bread. How much more will your Father in heaven not give you the things that you need? Amen. And so when we look at this truth, God will give good gifts to its children. He will not give us bad or injurious things no matter how much we clamor after them. We see the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
We see the gift of everyday life. We see the gift of all these things. All of our asking and receiving and from God is out of relationship, not out of greed, not out of God, you have to meet my need. No, it is codependent. It is dependent on my condition to meet God's need for relationship with Him. And when you know Him, you will only ask in keeping with His purpose. You will only ask in keeping with His desires for you. You will only ask in keeping for what really matters for you. Amen? There is one thing I have no doubt in asking God for, and it's this. is for somebody to get saved. Have no doubt that when you pray for somebody to get saved, heaven will answer. Amen? It might take time, but heaven will answer. When Jesus said, ask me anything in my name and I will do it, it's not a name it and claim it and frame it. That was not what Jesus was teaching. Now it doesn't mean to say that we cannot go to God for great expectations and come to God with great expectations. Of course we can. But it was about prayer. It was about supplication. It was about relationship with Jesus. And so the promise to ask and receive, even with its conditions, can never disappoint us because there is no chance of the things we need not being in God's will. He promises us that if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things will be added unto us. So the condition to receiving is not just asking, but it is seeking. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. God will always give us good things. Our job is to understand what is good so that we know what to ask for. Our, our children are always asking us for things. And some of the things they negotiate with us and negotiate and negotiate. And there are some things that we allow them to have and there's some things that we say not now or later and they've come to understand and trust us that we desire good for them and so they're able to still continue to ask in the confidence of knowing that because we are good parents we want the best for them and even if it may be no or nothing right now 